0: Welcome to Let's Talk About It, where we talk about the it's that no one wants to talk about. We are question-based and conversation-driven. Hi, my name is Olegra Inozier.
1: Hi, my name is Paula Camacho.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us, two immigrants who have a whole lot to say and a whole lot to learn. As you all know, we've been talking about faith for this entire month of April. So we figured for our last episode, why not have an experienced minister join us to share his thoughts and perspectives. So today, we are joined by the incredibly thoughtful Reverend Tim Wood. Our conversation is rich with questions and reflections on living life in the now, narratives in the church that need to be interrogated, the importance of doing community well, recognizing and noticing, as well as accepting our brokenness and the need for moving towards humility, authenticity, and truth. We cover a lot of ground in this episode. So get comfortable, grab a coffee or your favorite snack, pop in those headphones. You are in for a treat.
1: Hello, my name is Paula. And my name is Welcome to the last episode of our faith series.
0: Today we are joined by Tim Wood. He is a campus minister at King's University, and I worked with him as a ministry assistant. He wears many, many hats, which we are sure he will get into talking about at a later moment in the podcast. Um, And he is a dear friend of mine. So we are very excited to have him uh, here with us today.
2: Great to be with you both. Thanks for the invitation. This should be fun.
0: Yes, it will. So Tim, before we... start we always like to ask our guests a very serious question which often doesn't end up being very serious um and i remember probably about a year ago around this time uh i was a guest on one of your podcasts and you asked me a particular question and now i want to ask it to you um, because i'm very interested to see what you would have to say so the question is if you were stranded on a deserted island and you could go with three people who would you bring and why?
2: Oh, wow. I asked you that. I can't even remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, who would I bring? Three people. Um, I would bring my partner, my wife, Kiria, for sure. We've been married now for th- almost three years, and I don't know if you know, we're expecting a baby in June. Um, and what a gift that our relationship has been for both of us. Um It's just been so easy, and um, peaceful. And, um, I just love being with her and yeah, it's hard because I do a lot of you, you, you both might know, I do a lot of working with not only couples here at King's, whether they're, you know, just dating, but also a lot of premarital counseling. And typically these relationships, they're not easy. You know, they come with conflict Mm -hmm. and they're hard. And, um, I feel like a little bit of a, imposter when I talk about that, because it's been so seamless with her and she's just wonderful. So for her, uh, her for sure. Um, Man, I think I would bring maybe, maybe two friends from university. Um, My buddy Trav, I miss him. He's in Wisconsin where I'm from still. And um, we, we just, it was easy for us to always be together too like our our friends always joked about the fact that maybe we would never get married because we just enjoyed being with each other we didn't need anybody else around and so him and we have a lot of common interests and he's just a kind smart guy and then our other buddy tony maybe he's um he's pastoring a church in grand rapids and um i think tony taught me a lot about how to be a good friend and uh, how to ask questions that actually matter and, uh, to pause enough in our relationships to, to do those things. Um, but then also he's crazy and uh, just a good time. So I think those would be the three people that first come to mind for me.
0: Nice. They all sound like wonderful people. I've heard, I'm pretty sure I've heard about, I've heard you mention your two friends in different stories. And of course, Kyria, wonderful, wonderful person. (laughs) And, um, that's really, really great. We love asking good questions around here, and we love learning about how to be a good friend, actually, because a couple of our episodes have been talking a lot about that. So, woohoo!
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, Tim. So, for starters, just tell the audience a little bit about who Tim Wood is.
2: Uh, yeah. So, I am um, the campus minister at the King's University. I am finishing up my 12th year here. Yeah, crazy. I'm going on a paternity leave next year which I'm excited about for that change of pace, too, for a bit. Um, but I come from Wisconsin, and, you know, I never saw myself in ministry. And um, I can get into that more, but um, I studied finance in undergrad. And, yeah, that was my trajectory. I kind of had a idea that, um, you know, Without questioning it, the narrative of life that I was living with was: you get a good degree from a good university so that you can make good money, and then you can retire. And I didn't, I didn't need money, I didn't want money, but I wanted safety. If I like reflected on it, security. And for that reason, that was like what I thought life was about, and uh, never questioned that, never even like thought through it really. Um, but then, always, I uh, um, through young life in high school, I, I actually got serious about my faith. Um, And then that continued, obviously, through college. We call it college in the States, university. Um, And got really involved at a small campus ministry that was a part of the Christian Reformed Church. One thing led to another. Near my end, the end of my time at the University of Wisconsin, where I was, my pastor took me aside and said, you need to think about going into ministry. And I laughed in his face uh, because I didn't want to do that at all. Um, Yeah, anyway a year of prayer and, you know, contemplation, and uh, I decided, okay, that seems like a good thing, and, and ended up at Calvin Seminary, graduating from Calvin Seminary. After three years, um, Roy Birkenbosch here, uh, we connected, and um, they offered me a job to fill in for a woman who was going on a maternity leave for eight months, and now here we are 12 years later. So that's a lot of, like, vocational stuff when you ask about who I am, but I think you can see my journey, my personal journey, kind of in the background, too.
0: Totally. The two are often intertwined, you know, one little door led to another. And and so now here you are. Um, And so I guess kind of jumping off of that, we'd love to know a little bit about what is faith to you? Because it kind of seems like there's a lot of different points there, um, where you even mentioned, you know, prayer and contemplation and all of these kinds of things. And so in our faith series, we always like to ask how it is personal, because everybody kind of brings their own understanding for it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's simple and it's also really difficult. Um, You know, and you mentioned, Leiseru, what is faith to me and, and kind of like highlighting the personal aspects of it. You know, it's really hard for me to speak about that only from a personal kind of realm not because of like some theological things although i I think those are there too but mostly because i'm in ministry so i feel like i'm constantly thinking about how do i um, talk truthfully about what faith means or what it means to be a christian Um, and so it's hard for me to separate like my own spiritual life from the work that i do in my own kind of being um i think i You know, faith, without kind of just simply quoting Hebrews, like, um, I I think my idea of what faith is has changed over the years. You know, like, and and I think in the last few years, I'm really, I'm seeing this become more clear. You know, I'm meeting with a lot of students who are struggling with, who are Christian students who are struggling with, am I good enough? And um, behind that seems to be a faith narrative that we have given within the church, that says faith is about where you go when you die. Um, and if you believe the right thing, or maybe kind of do the right thing, or somehow, like, maybe you can get a ticket into heaven and escape hell. And a lot of our students are reading scripture that way. Like, that. that is the main thing, right? And And I want to say, like, at least now, like, faith has everything to do with life now and salvation now and how we live now. So even if you look at that Hebrews 11 passage, read past the first two verses, it's all about the greats of the faith and how that was lived out in their life. And I think what what I wanna say behind all of this is not like this is something we have to live up to as much as um, you can't separate faith from trust. They're like, basically you can use the same word in the New Testament, you can translate them uh, you know, the same, you can use the, the same word translates both ways. And trust means that we believe that we have a God who loves us. Um, we can't separate faith when we talk about, you know, when we talk about faith as Christians from the resurrection, obviously, that changes everything. And the narrative of the, of the Christian kind of story changes everything about how we live so that we can live with peace and hope and trust and be good neighbors. Um, You can't separate faith from the, the call to live a, a life that cares for those who are too often ostracized or marginalized or, um, disadvantaged like that narrative is in scripture. And when we make it only about where we go and we die, so much is lost. But I think the biggest thing that's lost is a sense of peace that says your life belongs to God. You are in God's hands. And live this way now, not to see if you're good enough, but because it will give you peace and salvation now. It's good for you. So I guess that's how I would wanna begin to talk about faith now. Um, You can tell I'm long-winded, so I'll stop there.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Um, incredibly captivating. Actually, what you said kind of reminds me of something you used to always say in our little, um, I guess, discipleship and formation groups, which is faith is not necessarily meant to be this cute little thing on the side that we kind of like, okay, you know, on Sundays, like, here's my faith. And then the rest of the week is the rest of the week, you know, but how do we really intentionally bring it into our daily life?
2: Totally. And I think that's where you see, like, when we begin living as if like, well, it doesn't matter for the rest of our life. We've got a, a form of Christianity that is, it's Gnostic in a way, like if people are familiar with that, it only, ma- the spiritual realm kind of is the one that, you know, matters for the faith aspect. And really for us, it's only the afterlife stuff. But we, we want to say as Christians, like, no, it shapes everything. It gives hope for everything. And, you know, that's hard to live out in our culture. It's, it's not easy. And that's why you really can't separate faith either from the community which is the church, or brothers and sisters in Christ, like that needs to be a part of our narrative when we talk about faith too. Um, People who hold us to live um, and to hope uh, in ways that are in line with the gospel.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I talked about this a little bit on previous episodes, but I, I was telling you later, I grew up Catholic, right? And I was, (laughs) when I first went to university, I was kind of far from God. And I was upset at the way I saw church was set up, kind of. Because a lot of what you say is true. And that's how I saw it. Like It felt like people act all week, however they please. And they will come on Sunday. They will give. They will tie. And they will feel, it felt like to me like, you know how when you buy a product, like an electronic product that you buy the warranty with it that's how it felt to me like it was like like people were just buying every weekend they were buying a warranty to heaven and and then they were like like in spanish we have this saying where it's like my mom always said it like uh you sin then you uh pray and then you're tied and it feels like that's how the church was acting up and it was like you just, like, church is for Sunday, like, all week. You can act, whatever. And then on Sunday you go, and you're you good to go, and you, you win another brownie point to heaven. Uh,
2: yeah, it's an insurance policy.
1: Yeah, and then, like, it just, it's interesting to me because people are so, like, concerned of, heaven that i feel like they miss out on what it like, what it's like here right and the bible even says like let will be nervous in, in heaven right and uh people are so concerned about the moment they get to heaven that they just missed out and they're just so scared of living life here and there
2: yeah i agree and i think the more i'm in ministry like the more i realize that like the narratives that we get within our Christian communities, like hopefully they're good and truthful, but they're all shaped and nuanced by, you know, certain aspects of our culture. And um, the longer I'm in ministry, the easier it is to wonder, like, where did that come from? Where did this idea that the creation isn't good and we need to escape it come from? Like that is not Christian. Um, and, And that shapes the way that we, think about heaven and hell and uh, the afterlife and then that also shapes how we think we should live now and i just think you know jesus is clear like and a number of times he says um salvation has come to this house today and we what do we what do we make of that we're we just going to leave that behind like i really think salvation is now and if we're kind of hoping that it only is going to come after we die like of course that's there right but if we're hoping that that only begins after we die man i just think we're missing out on so much and also like the witness that we're giving about what the christian life is about is lost i think when we kind of give that message to others you know like we see this Well, i don't i shouldn't get into That too much. There's a form of Christianity that we've seen in my home country, that like it should be tested and it should be critiqued. Where if if the way that we are called to live does not push us to love as Jesus loved, and the call um, to care for, as they put in the Old Testament, the the widow, the orphan, and the and the foreigner, like if if that's not happening. We should really question um the rest of what's going on you know if the main narrative is only like hey believe this with some sort of intellectual belief so you can go to heaven like that doesn't seem in line with the scripture that we have
0: and i think too and in that sense then it then it's almost like why should anybody believe it like there's a lot of different other ways to think about what you can do in the afterlife um and so in that essence it kind of if we're only looking at you know believe this to get to heaven then we miss the whole essence and the whole beauty of what it what the core of our message should be
2: totally and think about that too like believe this so you can get to heaven you know there's parts of that and there's parts of scripture that talk to like you should be concerned with your well-being your salvation for sure but that is an inherently selfish self-centered statement right like and yet our God is the only God that's existed in a trinity forever. That can be self-giving love at God's core forever. God is, by definition, selflessness. And so when we're only concerned with like our eternal salvation from like a kind of self-centered sort of way... I think we're missing a lot of what uh, Christianity is about.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> completely uh, agree with you on that point. And kind of just coming into that idea of community, let's let's press into that a little bit. So I know um, for yourself, you kind of you've alluded to different communities that have kind of helped you even get into ministry in the first place. Um, and so I guess we can start with that and then maybe even go into potentially how doing community or doing ministry has changed um, over time with the current place that we are now.
2: Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, yeah, I've been convinced that we can't separate our walk of faith from the Christian community. Like historically, we've called that the church is that changing now? Like, is there other ways to like, I think there are ways to be in Christian community that are not like technically the church, but, but I, I think that the community is incredibly important um, for our our development and growth um, as disciples. Um, And that's, you know, again, for our own good for, so that we might have life. Um, And I think, you know, the, the church is a mess. Like it's, you know, it's, We hurt each other all the time, we're difficult to get along with, we have different ideas about different things, Um, we emphasize different things in scripture, and that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Like, let's just name that. Like, if you're searching for some place that makes you feel, like, good about yourself all the time, or really comfortable all the time, then we're missing out on opportunities to learn patience. To learn kindness, to learn to speak courageously when we need to, and to maybe shut our mouths when we need to. Like, so the church is formative in our lives, and if if we don't name that as like a good thing, even as it's difficult, something is missed. Um, You know, I my communities, like I said, talking about my friend Tony, but it was more than that. My Friends in university taught me how to be a Christian, or at least help me on the path. Um, and in the church I was going to, the campus ministry did the same thing, you know. Um, I, I was just so thankful for these communities. And then coming to King's, you know, you both know what it's like here. Like, I, I say often to people, what a gift it's been to be shaped by this community in my first job out of seminary. Um, our faculty members are amazing. And they're thoughtful and they don't you know typically they're not people who will give us easy answers um and i and i appreciate that um so yeah i think the community we need the community i mean we are the body of christ right like the image of trying to separate yourself outside the body of christ it just doesn't work um so we need each other and we need to acknowledge that it's not easy, <laughs> like it's gonna be a mess a lot of times. And so then to know how to, you know, draw boundaries or uh, when we need to because of, you know, for different reasons that might be needed, but um, but we need to be able to sit in the tension that is the difficulty of learning to love well in a community. I don't know, I think I missed the second part of your question, Elijah. Um I had something in mind, I think at the beginning, but is there
0: yes yeah so um uh, you really touched on it basically kind of asking about yeah ways that i guess community has formed you and then also ways that it might have changed in how you've min- had to minister to people through i guess the covid19 pandemic through all of us having to be separated and, and those
2: kinds of things yeah yeah i mean well before we get to the covid stuff like when both of you were here um we tried that um Lent challenge, right? Where we tried to put our screens away, um, the phones away. And I don't know, I don't want to be somebody who harps on that. But, you know, especially even like reading books on parenting now, like thinking about it in a different context. I, I am, I just think our pattern of life these days, um, how we're distracted and consumed by the media in front of us, Um, our phones, I I think that is affecting our spiritual lives in ways that we've taken for granted. You know, like we should name that. This is all new. Like I'm not that much older than you guys. And yet when I was in university, I didn't have a phone that could connect to the internet. You know, like this is new. Like we're thinking like what 2008 iPhones start coming out. Like we haven't thought about how this is uh, shaping our time together. And you know, the we have seen a huge shift in what our students are like here at King's. Um, they're less engaged. I, I don't want to make this sound too negative. Our students are still amazing and it's a gift to be here and they're less engaged generally than when I first started, you know, like they're less engaged in clubs. They're less engaged in student leadership. They're um, struggling more that I've seen with things like loneliness. Um, And it's hard to separate this from the patterns that we set up around, you know, hours a day often on computers or phones. And I worry about that a lot. And I don't know what this COVID year is gonna do for that, you know? Like I was kind of hoping, like maybe it would make us sick of these screens and and longing for community. Um, And I think for some of us, maybe it has. I hope it has you know maybe it will <laughs> make schooling and things like that easier to do on screens and you know i don't know we'll see but uh, as far as this year with COVID, yeah it's been really hard it's been really hard and it's been hard for us in, in kind of the student life area but it's been hard for the faculty members too like you know what this place is about it's about community at its best like that's the it becomes a cliche word but it's cliche because it's hopefully true um but we've been separated and my heart just aches for the first year students here i don't know them like my joy at the beginning of every year is getting to know all these first year students and trying to make them feel welcomed and i don't know them and it's not just about me but like i when i say that i mean like We just haven't had a sense of community where we've been able to be face to face with each other. And so it's been hard and we've tried to be creative in finding ways to do ministry this year, but it hasn't been easy. And can you blame people for not wanting to show up to another Zoom meeting when they're on Zoom all day for their courses? I actually probably advise them to say, don't come to this, go outside, go for a walk, you know? So yeah, it's been really hard.
1: Yeah, no, I was talking to a friend who happens to be a teacher at a high school and she was telling me that too. She's like, Paula, like, I'm seriously concerned about these kids. Like, we graduated from high school six years ago, but so many things have changed since then. She's like, I had a student who emailed me to ask me for help when he was across the room and she's like... And I told him, come talk to me. Yeah. She's like, I'm just so worried because these kids are spending every minute of their time on their phones or computers. And they're just becoming socially awkward.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like, totally. Like, a lot of that. So, it isn't just about the phone stuff. It's But it's about what's missing. So, like, our social interactions with other people. Maybe it's less you know, engagement with things like sports, like all those things where you kind of have to like learn to engage and talk with others, that builds confidence. That builds like a sense of like, okay, I know how to navigate the world. When you show up to a place like King's, and this is the first time that maybe your parents, you know, aren't able to do everything for you, or you're like forced to like figure this place out by on your own. And, and if you haven't had like to develop a sort of like confidence that, okay, I can navigate the world. I know how to talk to people. Yeah, this big be- comes a scary place and you know it's not just here it's any university or time when you're stepping out on your own so yeah you know I remember a shift um I don't know maybe year three or four here um so I'm trying to I'm going to give you a positive story about the the technology stuff because I'm always negative on it but um I remember I was on a worship team retreat so we're trying to train these worship teams talking about like theology of worship and stuff and like I don't know, like I. I've always been big on like, if you're in a classroom, you have good eye contact with the teacher. You would never get your phone out. Like that idea, like, well, it's so foreign to me because in my university, like we didn't have that, but like the idea that you would do that. So, um, Julianne Gilchrist was working with me at the time and she was doing a teaching session at this retreat. And there was two students with their phones out. I just thought that was so disrespectful. How could you possibly, like, what are you, so I called them out on it, in the moment I said, what are you guys doing, come on, and you know, she's, she's here and she's teaching you, and then they said, oh, we are just looking up the Bible verse that she's referenced, and I was like, oh, so you know, it comes with just the, you know, I was humbled there, and it comes with like, a, a, a you know, the reality that, oh, we need to find new ways of navigating this well. And it can be a gift in some ways, but man, it, it also can be very difficult too.
0: that double-edged sword, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, the idea of, oh yeah, like it's a really great, wonderful tool that we use and also incredibly isolating in in its use as well. So it, yeah, it's really hard to, to know how to do that. And I even think about how during this time, um, wondering how do I keep my own you know, spiritual growth alive in a sense, even though I can't go to all of these places or gather with all of these people. Um, and like you said, one of the major ways of doing that is, oh, I'm gonna go into a Zoom call. Oh, great. like another, another Zoom call. But I think even just finding like understanding for myself that this is where we're at right now. And this is how things have to be um, in a sense. And in a way i've got to kind of fight for that growth in a different in a different way from how i've maybe had to fight for growth um, before has been something that i've been trying to grapple with um, and just learning that this is the time and season quote unquote that we're in
2: yeah i think that's right and i think like and that's where maybe this becomes a gift because we're we are forced to be this way right we're forced to meet through computers and phones and maybe that like going even further to an extreme on the trajectory that we are on reveals like oh actually this is not good for us we don't actually like this that much yeah um and maybe that causes us to slow down and you know reach out to our neighbors or our friends and in ways that maybe we weren't before
1: since we're a little bit into the topic of COVID I wanted to ask you um how has COVID shaped your perspective and relationship with
2: God? Wow, that's a good question. I haven't thought about that, I don't think. Um, You know, I, I, I think as I reflect on that, I think I'm tying it up with just the uncertainty of the world. And when I think about that, I think of the climate crisis and I, you know, bringing a daughter into the world in June, like thinking about all this uncertainty and um, what is the world going to be like? And now are we going to be living with this pandemic in some way affecting our lives going forward? When is the next one coming? Like, things just feel kind of uncertain, you know? And um, yeah, that's difficult for me, you know? I'm I'm somebody who would possibly make uh, an idol out of safety and security. And I long for that. And these things um, mean that I don't have control. And, um, you know, I think, Elijah, you've heard me say before, quote one of my favorite theologians that the Christian life is living life out of control. And I think the pandemic, um, that brings that home in a way that probably is good for me um, and also really difficult. Um, The last year and a half here at work has been hard. Um, I will say, you know, personally, it has asked me to find different ways to um, to slow down and, um, and to reflect and to notice. I think noticing, you know, like that longing for safety and security and the fear of uncertainty, like what a gift. Like just noticing that that could be an idol in my life, like that is a gift. And then I can begin to wonder about that and pray through that. I've noticed that. Um, you know, like, journaling has become more important for me again because I feel like it's time away from the screens, but also in some ways this has been a slower time for me, like, the pandemic has limited what we can do, and um, to find times and patterns of prayer that are kind of separating me from technology, but also, like, giving me space to reflect, that's been good, so... I'm finding new and more gentle ways to pray, um, more positive ways. So I'm kind of, I think as I'm, I don't know if this is a pandemic thing or if this is a getting older thing, I'm not as harsher than myself, with myself anymore. Like I'm more gentle with myself. And um, I've found, you know, more kind of hopeful looking forward ways to pray. So like one way I've been praying lately is I'll read, you know, Scripture and then relevant to that scripture, like maybe it talks about God's love or mercy. Uh, and I'll just write a question and I'll, you know, it might be like, how will I uh, enjoy God's mercy today? And then I'll just start writing and try to answer that. So, yeah, if the pandemic has given me space to like slow down for these sorts of things to try to be more hopeful and expose my tendency towards these idols that call for my attention, then. Maybe maybe that's a way, another long-winded way of answering your question.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I love that idea of first like seeing oh like how can I apply this directly today? Um, because I think it's it's easy to look at some of the big stuff and oh you know yes love your neighbor as yourself or yeah look for you know the outcast. But like what does that mean and how do I practice that? In this moment, when I can't even see my neighbor, right? Um, I think that's really powerful,
2: totally. And like, I so a lot of a lot of the ways that you know the language of delight and joy and peace like, these are coming up a lot for me as I think about you know my day mostly because I'm im image like, what does Jesus look like? You know, and you know, related again to a lot of the students that I'm working with, we're reading. Who are reading these scripture passages that are difficult. They really are, some of them. Um, I'm preaching on First John 3 uh, coming up. Read that later. Like, that is not an easy passage that talks about sin and like, whoa, scary, right? So um, to try to like hold together who is Jesus and what is he calling me to um, and what does he want for me and long for me. Not for me to like prove my worth, but because he loves me. And I think Jesus is always pushing us towards hope and joy and love and peace. And when we're reading scripture fundamentally in a way that makes us more fearful and anxious about who we are in God's eyes, like I, I want to question that a bit. You know, like we need to be critical with ourselves. We need to be self-reflective for sure. We need to be looking at, you know, our potential idols for sure. But The call is to look more like Jesus, and uh, I think that's a peaceful, hopeful, gentle and courageous um, person.
0: So then what do you uh, do with that tension, I think? Because a lot of the time for myself, the fear of even wanting to confront some of these things of, oh... Um, I'm putting this on a pedestal higher than potentially God in my life, or, oh, I um, really actually do care about money in the ways that I think are unhelpful um, and are really driving the decisions I'm making in this particular season of life. You know, like how for yourself have you come to face that tension um, and walk through it?
2: Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, So both of you have been on uh, Silent Retreat, at Kings, right? So a number of years ago, you know, Chris Pete was a good push for this. Um, We got a grant to study the contemplative practices, contemplative prayer practices. And what a gift that's been, I hope for Kings, but certainly for me. And so, you know, answering your question, Elijah, what do do I do with that? Um, I've learned to take myself less seriously. Like, I've learned to be more gentle with myself. And that begins with not, like, that begins with noticing things, noticing um, my tendency towards particular idols, Um, and then not giving them more power than they deserve. When we begin to fight them violently, we give them more power than they deserve. But when we can notice them and kind of laugh at them, and then be called back to what we know is true, being gentle with ourselves as God is gentle with us, as he calls us back to what's true. Um, I think that's the peaceful route and that's the way I've taken. So actually like I've taken, um, I've begun like when I do premarital counseling, actually to try to like bring this out with couples. Like, um, you know, they might come to my office after a week or two weeks and there was a fight um, or they t- always fight about this thing and and I try to get them to see, oh, what a gift! Like when when you're gonna fight next week, see that tension as a gift. See that tension, that fight as a gift because you've noticed it. You can choose to um, to work through the difficulty of, um, you know, disagreement, of argumentation like, these, whatever is, you know, the friction at that point, you now have the opportunity to choose to step into it in a healthy way. I mean, in some ways, that's what I was saying about the church too. Like that's the training ground for us to become more like Jesus on a personal level. It's the same thing. Every time we're tempted towards idolatry or um, something that's calling for our attention apart from Jesus, what a great opportunity to say, oh, that's not what I want. That's not what God wants for me. And I've noticed it and now I can change path. Our struggle is when we don't notice those things or when we're so hard on ourselves that um, when we do notice them, the harshness that we have with ourselves does not call us back to Jesus, but it calls us to shame and to guilt in a way that separates us, not only from Jesus, but the Christian community. So so I see these things as like, yeah, nobody wants them. I don't want to have idols in my life. And yet they're opportunities to choose differently.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I struggle with sometimes when it comes to my faith. Like, Because sometimes it, it, they religion paints it as like this easy, beautiful thing. Like you have got in your current then you're good to go like no like the struggle is it's just the same if not more <laughs> like you know one of the things that I started doing and I think it's hard to do is ask God okay God what what what's something that I need to change or when I get in conflict with a person uh yes I get mad and I'm like oh I'm like God this is why I'm mad this is how they hurt me and then I I Have to take a step back, and I'm like, okay, now show me what did I do wrong and where did it go wrong. But those are not easy things to take in because even though we know we are human and we are imperfect by default, we like to believe that we're always right. And so when those things come into places like and like even God showed it, like some recently, I had a moment where He showed me. I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't need to know that. So I think that's like what's a lot of it is we are afraid of asking these questions. We are afraid of knowing because we don't want to deal with it.
2: Yeah, that's right. Like all of this takes a form of humility to say like, I'm broken. I've got these temptations towards things that aren't good. I've been shaped and hurt in my life in ways that have made me afraid of things or that make me feel um, left out or... Um, Or angry when this happens and when something like you know something like this happens it opens up these old wounds and and they make me you know you know they encourage me I don't want to say make they encourage me to respond in ways that are not healthy I really think the problem again is when we don't notice those things or we try to pretend like they're not there like so often like you know, this is where the contemplative practices and of the spiritual greats that ask us to slow down, to notice what's going on within us, are so helpful. Because if we can slow down and ask, like, what's really going on with me? You know, I'm angry at this person. Okay, what is this about? Why am I angry? You know, if this happens, what am I really fearful about? Or what is this, what do I think this says, says about me? Um If we can notice these things, um, it can change our relationships and it gives us power over, you know, these things. Um, But it begins with humility, right? And in a a kind of like a sense that like, I don't need to be perfect and I have been hurt and I'm going to bring negativity to certain settings and that's okay. Like, I don't need to defend some image of myself to other people. That is not helpful for anyone. And so, um, yeah, I mean, what what you're bringing up, Paula, is exactly right. And so that slowness and the humility that I think are really important in the Christian life um, can just be really great. You know, let me give you like a weird example. So I played competitive golf, right, through high school and into college. And that was important for me. It was really important for my identity. Like I got to the end of a round and if I didn't play well, I was like, embarrassed. I was like ashamed, right? Like, oh, um, and then, so me and my brother were a year apart. We both, you know, we both played competitive. We were very competitive with each other. Um, he continued, he's a golf pro and at a nice course in Wisconsin right now. Um, and I didn't, right. I got to a point where I couldn't enjoy the game, um, because I wasn't As good as what I used to be or also probably I just realized like my identity was too wrapped up within it that it wasn't healthy I remember there was one day when I went out to play with my brother where I just said you know what I don't play golf anymore like I just don't Uh, I can't expect to be good and I said to myself I'm not a golfer anymore I'm not a golfer that's not who I am I went out and I just enjoyed that round ended up playing really well maybe there's something there but I enjoyed that and from that day forward I'm not a golfer I can still hit the ball a bit but that's not who I am and I think when we bring that same sort of like way of thinking to the Christian life like yeah it's expected that I will be broken in certain ways that I'm gonna hurt my friends I'm gonna need to repent like that that is our baseline and that that's okay and, and it's a gift when I am given the opportunity to, to step into that role of confession, of uh, being honest with myself and my brokenness. I don't need to try to be false to other people. You know, I think that's a huge thing. Like when we try to cultivate and hold up an image, not only to others, but also to God and to ourselves, that takes up so much energy. Like, no, we are people who are are broken in many ways and that's okay we can grow to to be more healthy and that begins with acknowledging that we come to God and to others from a place of needing to confess often and that's okay you know like let's have that be the baseline let's not always have to be the person who's right who's got the right answer or whatever. So
0: wonderful story, (laughs) um, resonates with me on a very deep level. Um, and both of you know this, because both of you know me well, but just that idea of, you know, attaching identity to something, and then it now increasing the pressure of that thing to the point where you can't even just look at it as, oh, it's this activity I like to do, or, oh, it's this um, part of me that I'm I'm interested in cultivating, it now becomes, you know, the end-all be-all of who you are as a person, and so, yeah, I think um, that ability to kind of take a step back and look and say, okay, let me separate the thing from me um, and me from the thing really creates freedom. Um, I think about 2019, I think it was, I usually like to think about different words and stuff that I have for the year or a scripture or something. And for that year, the word was real. And so it was just this idea of being real with myself, real with God and real with others. And it really changed how I live my life just that simple notion of how can I be authentic in this moment I'm a broken person I'm imperfect but I also have beautiful giftings and abilities and um and both of those things all add up to who I am and so how do I you know how do I pay honor to those things by being authentic with myself with others and with God
2: Totally. Like, that. that's a great, real, what a great word. Like, the more, the longer I'm in ministry, I also realize how important truth is. Truth is just so important. I went down to visit a friend um, who was studying, doing his PhD at Duke years ago. And so, you know, Harawas, who you, you've heard me quote a, quite a bit, Olajiru over our years of working together, he was teaching a course. My friend was teaching a course with him, with Stanley Harwas, this great, I think he's a good theologian. Um, and it was the last course, I think, that they were MDiv students, so people who were going to be pastors. And I think it was the last course of the semester. And somebody just asked, there was like a question and answer time, and somebody asked like, what advice would you give to your pastor? And he thought about it for a second, and he just said, don't lie to me. And what he Saying there is bigger than, like, don't tell me lies. He's talking about how you preach. You know, preach from a place of, like, not needing to lie. Truth is so important. Um, And when we feel like we need to, when we can't deal with the truth, uh, or we need to, like, shade it in a way that is not quite right, like, and this relates to how we see ourselves, or put forward an image to others, oh, that just takes so much out of us. And yet Christianity, um, you know, like naked and unashamed, you know, we go back to the garden, like fully known and fully loved, like fully known. That means truth. That means like, I don't need to hide. I don't need to pretend to be something else. Um, I can speak the truth and whatever comes, comes. And I can do it with gentleness and love, certainly. But like, I think we are really struggling these days. And I see it with our students, but it's not just young people. It's all of us. We struggle with feeling like we need to put an image out there. Maybe this is more social media stuff, you know, like we need to pretend to be something that we're not so that we can be loved. No, imagine having that stripped away. Imagine the freedom of having that stripped away that like, no, you don't need to be something other than you are. You can be real. You can speak the truth about what you're afraid of, about what you want, and that's okay, you know? So I just think authenticity, truthfulness, in every realm of what we do is difficult and so important.
1: Like you say, a lot of it has to do with social media and how people filter themselves through the ways they post and the things they say because then if so, okay let me tell you a little bit of story i had a friend years ago a friend of my brother and I's friend um and he had moved to a different city and he had constantly been posting on how great he was doing in the city he was living in all of this stuff and my brother was like wow it just kind of like sucks we are here and like he's just doing all these things like how can people do it so fast kind of thing And I'm like, yeah, like, that's hard. And then weeks later, we hang out with him. We went to a party and he like was telling us how life was getting hard, like how all these bad things were happening, like life wasn't great for him. But then through social media, he was saying a completely different story. And it hit me there. It's like, it's kind of bad because people put out there what they want to put out there. Right. But then we take it as and then we compare it to ourselves and we're like, oh, how come they're there and I'm here? But like the thing is, we don't know what goes behind scenes. And so I think that's the problem with social media a lot of the times.
2: Yeah, for sure. And like where my heart aches is for the person who feels like they need to do that. Like what does that do to our souls when we feel like we need to present an image of ourselves that is not true? That we think we will not be accepted as we are. Um, and if we're cultivating kind of a generation of people who like are growing up with that, oh man, that is that is a spiritual issue that those of us who are Christians in the church, we really should be thinking about. Like that is, I mean, that is the the modern day equivalent of putting fig leaves all over us in the garden because we don't think we'll be accepted. And yet so against what the gospel truth says about who we are it recognizes our brokenness and says you're loved for who you are so yeah those stories they're too common and and we're all susceptible right like let's not pretend um we all need to be kind of continued to be trained uh to know that we are loved by god and, and can grow more to look like jesus and that's what we call discipleship Um, we all need to hear that, but like, it's just becoming pretty, pretty prevalent these days in really sad ways. You know, like like I said, I hear those stories and my heart aches for the person who thinks they need to do that. Mm -hmm.
0: I think a lot of it too comes from, it's, it's that pressure, right? Of, oh, I see this. So I'm now going to go into it. And if we're not holding those spaces for authenticity, then it becomes hard to initiate those spaces into existence in the first place. And so, yeah, I think it feels like such a big big thing um but for myself what i'm coming to learn is let me be the type of person that i would feel comfortable having speak to me and then that actually it's so it's so amazing how that opens up doors for conversations i'll do one quick story um i was meeting a uh I was i was at a church event or something i was meeting people and you know i was kind of in a position where wasn't really doing i was neither here nor there wasn't in school hadn't gotten a job yet like really trying to figure stuff out and when you first meet a person the often question is oh what do you do we're like you know are you in school are you working that kind of thing and i just decided that i wasn't gonna wasn't going to answer that question and so i'm meeting all these people and i have a conversation with one person and she's like oh so um so you know how are you like what do you do and i'm like you know honestly i'm not working i'm not in school <laughs> but there's more to me than that and i know that there's a pressure in conversation to to go in that direction but you know tell me about who you are and just saying it out loud their response was oh oh my goodness yes yes And um, we're able to start a beautiful friendship. And I think, you know, sometimes just it's a little scary, but sometimes just naming it or being that person um, that enables that space to occur is very powerful stuff.
2: Well, and what you're speaking about is the, the that's the community of Christ right now, right? Like we need to be people who can give space to others like you did by you being authentic and vulnerable and saying like, yeah, I don't have these things going for me that like we in our culture say are important for our identity. And maybe you would even say like, I'm struggling with that, you know? Um, But whatever whatever your response to that is, that at least opens up the space for that other person not to have to put forward a false image, right? Like, oh, I can be real with you. Oh, you might receive what I have to say. And, uh, um, you know, my struggles with what I'm going through or whatever. So... What a gift that is, you know, to be somebody who others feel welcome to talk about things that matter with
0: yeah it's 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 big stuff <laughs> revel- revelatory and yet so simple, right. And yeah, so as we're kind of coming towards the end of our conversation, Tim, we like to do something called our last minute moment. And so we like to give our guests a last minute moment to kind of share anything that's on their heart. um, Anything, reiterate anything that we've had through our conversation or whatever you may have to share as our, you know, last thing to leave our listeners with before we say goodbye.
2: Hmm. I don't want this to end. It's too fun. Um, Yeah, I don't know. We've talked about a lot of things, you know, and um, I think they all matter, too, in in many ways. I I just have this image, and maybe, like, to build off of the first question you asked um, about what faith is. Um, You know, for I, I think there'll be many of us who hear this conversation, who probably heard your other ones and are struggling with the things that we've talked about, you know, like posting a certain way on social media or approaching... God as if, um, I need to be good enough so I can only, you know, get into heaven and escape hell. And that's my only kind of way of interacting with God or seeing, you know, life, uh, you know, the idols that we kind of hold as something separate than our spiritual life. Like I can go after money. I can go after, um, you know, uh, the idea of a happy family, which is just, you know, huge idol for us today. Um, or safety or security like me. And, I hope that we can hear these things and be gentle with ourselves. Um, That's kind of, if we can, you know, I'm thinking about our students here, like if they can hear that and know like, it's not scary. It's not scary to see these things. Um, It's scary to see or to not see them in a way. It's scary to see them and make them bigger than they are. Um, And so when you get, you know, that first question, what is faith, you know, as I reflect on my years, um, kind of as a Christian, my faith has, I don't know, I don't want to say it's right, but this has been my experience and I've appreciated it. My faith has pushed me more towards peace. My faith has pushed me more towards hope. My faith has pushed me more towards an acceptance of myself that I think allows me to maybe conquer some of the the sins that I've had in my life um and I and I, I maybe that's what I want to offer as encouragement like you may not be there now um and I don't we never really arrive right and so I want to say like if you're struggling and you're like faith seems like a hard thing for you um and God doesn't seem very loving for you like okay hang in there um and um be surround surround yourself with good people that you trust. You know, one of the things I've noticed too and this kind of gets maybe small scale again is the internet hasn't been great for training disciples. You know, so I meet with students who like I'll refer to a, a certain author or theologian or pastor or whatever and you can find anything trashing anyone and it's hard to know what to believe, you know? Like find somebody you trust. Uh, Find somebody who um, cares about you and loves you like Jesus loves you and have a smaller circle, I think. And hopefully that push when you're walking with brothers and sisters is towards hope and towards peace. Maybe that's kind of, it's hard to kind of like describe that, but that's kind of the feeling that I'm having now. So I think that will be my final thought, I guess.
0: And a poignant thought it is. Thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with us, Tim. Like you said, don't want it to end. Um, It's been really powerful and really beautiful. And we appreciate you joining us today.
2: Yeah, what a gift. I'll do it anytime you want to have uh, me on. If uh, that happens again, this has been really fun. So, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both.
1: Tim, thank you for sharing your thoughtful reflections and questions for our conversation today. We appreciate the way you have encouraged us to think about our fate as we close out our series and you have left us with plenty to reflect on for later. Thank you so much.
2: This is
0: Olegio Anosier. This is Bona Camacho. And we're signing out for Let's Talk About It, whatever it is.
1: If you would like to stay in contact with us, you can visit our website at www.letstalkaboutitpod.com or send us a quick email at host at letstalkaboutitpod.com
0: We're also on all social platforms on Facebook and Instagram at the Let's Talk About It pod and on Twitter at the capital L-T-A lowercase I-T pod We'll talk to you soon.
1: Bye for now.